Well, with the retail component of our business representing around 80% of our floor space and 20%, if not less, of our total sales and profit, there is a clear opportunity to improve the productivity of our retail space. And to help us do that, I headed along to Retail and Customer Tech X here in Melbourne to learn what strategies the biggest brands and the brightest retail minds around the world are utilising and what technology they're using to drive it. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, all the way through to episode 65. Well, we're on a mini journey today to find the latest trends and how we can make your retail area more productive. I must thank, before we get into it, Association and Communication Events for hosting me at Retail and Customer Tech X at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre last week. And I'll share with you my key learnings from both conferences and also the exhibition. And that's coming up very, very shortly. Big show today. We've got time for a check-in. Obviously, lots happening this week around the 6 CPA. Got a nice listener question to fire off and solve. And we're also going to go through what we can implement straight away and learn from retail and customer tech acts as we've spoken about. And we're also going to finish off with a motivational quote from one of the commended speakers here at Retail and Customer Tech X. It's fantastic. So how's your week been? The six CPA's been signed, which brings much uncertainty to a close, and at least we know where the goalposts will sit for the next five years, which is ultimately something that we've wanted for a while now, and it's still something that we can't largely control. But there's so much that we can, and uh, there's so much that we'll talk about, particularly in this episode, of what we can do in our retail space. I interviewed one of Australia's leading Facebook experts this week, and that'll air in uh, a few weeks' time very, very exciting. Covered off some great areas of some real myths that we often believe about Facebook, but a number of little technical areas that I know you're going to love as well. Had some discovery sessions again this week, all via Skype, which is quite rare this week, but virtually visiting you all around the country. And I just love seeing how colleagues have seen a wealth of new opportunities appear. I guess there's never been a better time for you to plan your pharmacy future now that we've gained more certainty over our dispensary and professional services for another five years. So like these colleagues I've caught up this week, I'd love you to be able to discover your biggest opportunities, and that's in nine critical areas. And if you'd like to do that, head across to pharmacyfreedomindex.com. It'll only take you about seven to 10 minutes, and you'll receive an instant summary report that you can take away and get a better understanding of where your business sits right now. And ultimately, if you want to drill deep and you want to find those opportunities, lay them out on the table, prioritize them in order of what's going to give your business its biggest boost in the next 12 months, and walk away with a 12-month blueprint that you can take away and do alone if you choose, 
or if you'd like to accelerate your results, you'll find out if you qualify for the transformation program, which as we've spoken about previously, is where you'll get an opportunity to work with me directly and my team over the next 12 months. And it features things like full project management, concierge support, and done for you systems, plus much more as well. So make sure you check out pharmacyfreedomindex.com. I'll put a link in the show notes and you can have a look at that as well. A couple of listeners have emailed me about the audio books we were talking about last week and I'm going to talk about a few over the coming uh, weeks as well because they're just such a great opportunity for us to learn and expand our, I guess, personal development but also particular areas that may be of interest to us. It might be developing a culture in our business like we spoke about with Zappos and delivering happiness last week but I've got another one for you again this week. So, As listeners of the show, I've partnered with Audible to get you a free audio book for you to trial it out and also get a 30-day trial to check out Audible's service as well. It's Amazon for audio books, so there's a wealth of um, books available in all sorts of topics. You'll find something that will certainly give you a bit of a benefit from a business perspective or you may even like to uh, re- listen to a biography, which I'm going to mention in a moment, which is there's one that I'm absolutely dying to uh, listen to. And the one I want to recommend this week is one called Miracle Morning by a guy called Hal Elrod. And as I've mentioned in some previous episodes earlier this year, I've adopted the Miracle Morning into my daily routine. We spoke a little bit about that with the five prescriptions for a stress-free holiday. And uh, that was around establishing a routine when you're away from the pharmacy so that you can gain clarity around what's going on in the business before you can go away and relax with your family. Um, But despite a couple of weeks in April, I've been pretty good with it. And it's been clearly the best productivity strategy that I've implemented this year. So I'd encourage you to check that one out. The one I'm really excited to get hold of, which isn't in Australia right now, is Elon Musk's biography. Um, And for those who don't follow Tesla um, or the electric motor company, um, which also (laughs) launched the the Powerwall, which we spoke about a few weeks ago when I was up at CBIT, um, his biography's come out and it's hit number one in record time in the US. So I can't wait to check that out. So you can download... Miracle Morning or Delivering Happiness as we spoke about last week or another audio book of your liking uh, for, just for trying audible.com and if you want to do that you can just visit audibletrial.com forward slash transformation that's audibletrial.com forward slash transformation and I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Great list of question this week, and it came directly after last week's episode uh, went to air. So it comes from Shabs in New South Wales, and she writes, Hi, Robert, I just finished listening to episode 64. It was very insightful. Well, thank you, Shabs. I do appreciate the feedback with it. I do have a question regarding the methods for increasing social media following, I guess, apart from bribing our customers with gifts and so forth, Thanks in advance for your time. Kind regards, Shabs. Well, brilliant question, Shabs, and it's one that we often battle with. Um, Often it's very hard to, I guess, get the likes up on our Facebook pages without uh, putting too many competitions. In the past, it might have been iPads, maybe even Apple Watch right now. Uh, But there's, uh, I guess, more engaging ways of doing it. And to help you with that, um, which was uh, a great feature of this week, 
I uh, had a Facebook expert that I interviewed this week and she will answer that directly for you as a personal uh, favor that I asked on the show in a few weeks time. So check that out. I'll send you a link when that goes to air as well. And I know that you'll be wowed with her response. So we're going to get into the key learnings from Retail and Customer Tech X from last week. You'll be amazed as to how the world has changed in terms how these big retailers that we often view as, I guess, slow-moving beasts in some cases have literally transformed. And I don't say that as a pun because transformation is a buzzword um, in, I guess, other industries other than pharmacy. We just happen to have transformation. So certainly loved hearing that word multiple numbers of times over the two days. I know you're going to love the insights. I would love you to send me your feedback as to what you took away from what I share with you today because it's taken me a little while to distill it all down into a palatable area. Obviously, our um, episode's going to be a little shorter than uh, previously as uh, I don't think I could match a 45-minute interview myself, uh, but I've done my very best to give you the key gold nuggets to take away to learn from and implement straight in your business. Now, it's normally at this point that I'll introduce our feature guest of the week. And you might be wondering, why didn't I find one of the keynote speakers from either of the two conferences to come on the show? Well, it's because of the caliber of guest that it made it so difficult. I was fighting off media organizations left, right and center to even try to get 10 minutes of their time, let alone an interview. So unfortunately, I was unable to get the podcast interview done. Um, There is still hope that I may have a couple of them on the agenda in the coming weeks, so I'll keep you posted of that. But in the meantime, there were so many key insights and learnings that I know that we can take away from that I know that just simply couldn't wait until I got one of them on the show. And it all kicked off on the uh, first day, which was on the 20th of May, with uh, Sir Terry Lee's keynote. And of course, uh, he's from Tesco. And, um, you know, one of the uh, key aspects of that was, you know, for those who follow Tesco's journey, they're biggest tradition and one of their biggest flagships is their loyalty card, which of course is the club card. And it pioneered big data. Like literally before 1995, there was no big data systems. They reinvented the game. And ultimately, he shared with us a remarkable statistic of how it improved the productivity of their marketing to get a better understanding of what their customers actually wanted. We quite often might even put ads in our local newspapers and think, well, it should hit the mark. It should be what our customers want. And it might even get a 50% response rate, but we don't know which 50%. And for the other 50%, it really is about that scattergun approach. So we don't know who it's going to target and who's really listening to it. And by capturing information about our customers as Tesco pioneered, they're able to produce a high productivity of that marketing between 300 and 1,000%. Now, this is in the early stages of the systems that are developed that are so much more sophisticated, but that is simply remarkable and changes the entire focus of their business to be more customer-centric. That's going to be the big theme we're going to talk about today. 
I've got 3K themes to share with you and also some tools that I picked up along my travels across the exhibition floor as well. So the first one is the customer experience is absolute king. We often talk about in business cash flow is king, but in 21st century business, the customer experience is king. You cannot have cash flow if you don't have customers in your business and they're not enjoying their experience with you. And one of the key case examples I wanted to refer to was Australia Post, which ultimately there was a great quote that came from their customer experience manager, Jen Story, that change is not new, but it's now more rapid. And ultimately, Australia Post have 4,400 locations. And for pharmacy, we've got 5,464. Now, they can control from a corporate level those 4,400 locations, whereas ours may have around 3,000 different owners of those 5,464 pharmacies. But they needed to transition and transition quickly to a customer-centric organizations. And what Jen spoke about was three elements which required the company to transform to have passionate customer service team members at the center, empowered with the tools to implement and create change, and also have an agile and adaptive environment. Now, what that means is that you need to be listening very, very closely to what your customer wants and respond to it with a non-linear response, which means if it's not exactly how the product fits, it can be customized to what that customer needs. And ultimately, it can be distilled down to what would the customer like to do first? And that was really the basis of all Australia Post's user interfaces. Rather than just asking a customer to archaically just stand in line and talk to the next available person, it's asking them what would they like to do first. And in pharmacy, we must remember that most people don't look forward to visiting us much. And that was a great reference that came from Sarah Kosharsky in episode 60. But ultimately, we also have older customers that love coming to us and they use it to feel socially connected. So we have to harness this and embrace it into the DNA of our experience, which means we need to do better to make it an enjoyable experience. And a lot of pharmacies have done this through engaging in walking groups, events, potentially even having a cafe on site, but perhaps even things like teaching them how to use Facebook to connect with their grandkids so that they feel more connected with their community because ultimately we're in that business of helping them feel connected with their community as well as we have across the ages. And this can be further amplified by a number of other key speakers around customer experience. And one I wanted to draw your attention to was David Koch. And for a lot of us in Australia would know him as a very popular breakfast uh, talk host on uh, Channel 7 for Sunrise and also the chairman of the Port Adelaide Football Club as well. And what he was really well-renowned at the conference for recognising was at the core, I guess what the core customers were, who they were, and the viewers were mums. He identified mums as the key customer that would drive all decisions across whether it was watching Sunrise or even attending football games as well. And he had a great strategy of family, fun and female, which the Port Adelaide Football Club applied to their match day experience 
through a Time for Mum campaign. And it was really about creating a magical experience that's the highlight of every fan's week, which included mum having some time to herself when she came to the football as well. And for Sunrise, it was making mum the champion of the house. On Sunrise, they had guests like Katy Perry come and sing at the end of Sunrise so that the family could congratulate mum for turning on Sunrise in the morning as well. And also, it was a great pleasure to uh, meet an employee from Zappos, uh, Jeff Apps, who is their chief engineering officer. And really, I'm such a big fan of Zappos, as I've spoken about in previous episodes, because it starts with a strong culture. So all of these changes about creating better experience has to come from the DNA of your company. And examples that they utilize is that in every customer service call, they attempt to have two personal emotional experiences per call. So what that means is it's not even related to perhaps the shoes or the accessory that the customer has called about, but it's about what's going on in their world and how they might even be able to be helpful in that regard and provide a empathetic ear and so forth. And it really amplifies the non-linear culture of decisions in that company in that they need to do whatever is necessary to allow the customer to have a great experience as well. So it's been well known that customer service operators at Zappos have even been on on the call with customers for a record 11 hours in some cases. Now you might think that really is excessive, and it probably is as well, but it just shows how, how deep that culture of looking after the customer first really runs in that organization as well. And it was just great to, you know, have a chief engineering officer talk about so passionately about the company and also about how how employees, when they start at Zappos, they all have to man a phone for four weeks. Now, it's man or women, I have to say. I'm not uh, trying to discriminate there, but they do have to be stationed at a phone for four weeks and embrace their customers first. So it could be very well translated across all of our businesses. And you know, ultimately growing up in pharmacy myself as a second generation pharmacist, I had to do all of the, uh, I guess, the not so, um, not so, uh, I guess, pleasurable jobs of even dispensing photos, which we don't do anymore, uh, cleaning storerooms and so forth. And it gives you a great appreciation of the DNA of a pharmacy business. So it's something that we should always encourage no matter what employees and team members come into our business, they need to understand the fabric of our business. And it's important that we define that. So number two was what does it take to be customer centric and the power of data? So David Koch, for example, says, keep it simple. On Sunrise, they had a whiteboard to show people and viewers that they cared and they wrote down every single suggestion on the whiteboard and crossed them off so that they could acknowledge them as they went along, which is a fantastic thing. And I think even Kerry Stokes had said to David that we're a multi-million dollar company, probably even billion at that stage, and and the best investment you're making is a whiteboard. It's remarkable. And uh, it wasn't forgotten, and it helped to build their audience. Um, And ultimately, also paying attention through minute-by-minute ratings as to 
determining what things could influence the uh, presentation of the TV program and looking for things that dipped and peaked. So politics, for example, was one that we, of course, would most likely see as a drop-off, and absolutely it saw that way, but it enabled, I guess, David and his co-hosts to determine that they might need to take a humorous angle to try to, I guess, reduce the dip, knowing that that was coming. We also had Sonia from Cricket Australia, and it was a great thing to hear from her because, you know, we've all seen the emergence in Australia of what's called the Big Bash League. And uh, for our overseas listeners uh, who aren't familiar with cricket, um, they may have been familiar with the long-form game of cricket, which is normally a five-day game or even a 50-over or around about a five-hour game. Um, possibly even longer, actually. It's probably about eight hours, I think. Um, it got, was a shortened game that's done in three hours. Um, and really, it was very brave uh, for Sonia and her team to be trying new experiences and trying to change the mould of the game to suit what the fans wanted and create it as, a, as an experience with music and all sorts of other things that would appeal to people other than just your traditional cricket enthusiast, which is very brave, but it has paid off in spades, as David openly mentioned that they then poached one of the uh, key marketing gurus of the Big Bash League to bring into Port Adelaide to develop a remarkable match day experience, uh, which is clearly the number one in AFL or Aussie rules football here um, and has transformed the the fortunes of the Port Adelaide Football Club. One of the other key themes was about co-creating with customers. Uh, one of the companies mentioned um, by Doc Searles, who's from Harvard, um, he mentioned a, a startup firm in uh, Queensland, which is Flamingo, which you may, if you're a very astute listener on this show, remember that's one that uh, Kathy Reed is part of. And also that culture of co-creating with customers is something that she brings into her epic digital business as well. So that's where the concepts are developed hand in hand with customers from the very beginning rather than a product being made and then tested on customers. It's built by customers for customers as well. Also realizing that our customer value and and their attention is more valuable to them than their money. Um, So we need to be very careful about what we do because As we determined in this digital world of ours right now, people can go right throughout life, as we spoke about with Anderson and Nielsen only in episode 63, so only a few weeks back, that people through digital can buy their clothes, they can buy their food, they don't have to visit people, but people love buying from people, but they won't waste their time on an experience that is quite transactional and meaningless. And ensuring that the technology doesn't stop you from having a direct voice to your customers. You can go too far with the technology as well. So it's not just about the fancy, shiny technology. And as Sonia recommended from Cricket Australia, you need to do one thing they love and do it really, really well so that they do all your marketing for you and they will willingly tell you what you can do to improve. Now, on the topic of improvement and feedback, This is where the power of data comes in. And as the panel discovered, and they were talking about it a lot, only really try to use the data to understand your customers' needs better to create better experiences. There's no point just collecting a mountain of data, 
which really has no relevance to where your business is going, where it could be going or where it's been without a purpose to it. Because as Doc Searles was mentioning, there's a huge growth of customers who are employing tactics like ad blocking, tracking blocking, removal of cookies. So if you're trying to utilize the data or collect data for no reason, other than just because you can, um, people will find out about it and they will block you and you will lose a big opportunity as well, as we're going to talk about a little bit later in this uh, in this solo uh, episode. And I guess one of the best examples that I wanted to talk to about data is Woolworths. Um, it's one that we often see as a massive threat to our industry. And, um, you know, it could potentially be that threat moving forward. We know that for the next five years that deregulation isn't on the table. So again, that's something that we probably is a postponement. Obviously, that will come up again in another five years for us to debate and take a little uncertainty. But what I wanted to amplify from their presentation at uh, Customer TechX is that their concept of masters. So for those of us not in Australia, masters is, I guess, the DIY or the Home Depot, of, I guess, of... Um, of, uh, of Australia and um, I guess the major competitor they have in that space is Bunnings, which is a long established um, hardware retailer. Um, and Masters is Woolworths component. So in Australia, there's two major companies. There's the Woolworths and Wes Farmers, which is uh, headlined by Coles, who control Bunnings. So they obviously wanted to compete on the hardware space. And you might think, well, they're a long, long way behind. And to develop that, and they, there's a huge story about how they did that in conjunction with Lowe's from the US that we could talk about. Um, it was ultimately around them utilizing the data that they had collected from all of us on our shopping habits, our demographics, um, some of our, some of our, uh, I guess, cultural aspects to determine where would be the ideal place to open master's stores. And this is good and bad news for pharmacy. I guess the good news is they can't do it right now. But the bad news is, is that they have seven and a half million card holders at present. They have seven million weekly transactions. 66% of all Woolworth sales are captured by loyalty cards. And also they can de-identify your credit card to link that back as well. So they capture so much data and they're starting to ask the right questions of their data as uh, Jess Gill there, I guess I can say now their former customer experience manager, which has now been molded back into their chief marketing officer. But she, she coined the phrase, the data is nice, but insight is cool. And it really gave them deep insights into your profile, location, what media you listen to, habits, category allegiances and preferences, which can include health. There are certain products that get sold in their supermarkets that are aligned with specific health categories. So the key lesson to take away from all of this is that if we're not utilizing our data as we've spoken about on this show, someone else will utilize a bigger pool of data to get a better understanding of our pharmacy customers before we do. And if they get the opportunity to come into the pharmacy space, they're gonna know so much more and can design a better experience for our customers before we can. So it's so important that we harness the power of data right now. 
So there's also the fact that they were able to isolate their competition with Audi. They were able to determine that they were losing market share to Audi, and they were also able to determine which customer segments and products were influenced, and they then created targeted promotions and developed new product service strategies to be able to counterbalance that. And that's through the power of data again, so that they simply weren't trying to compete on every possible product that Audi could stock, but they understood which customers they needed to influence and also which product ranges needed to be improved upon, which is a remarkable thing. And they were also able to utilize that demographical data to target those customers by Facebook ads. And as we've established with the power of something like Facebook, which people are spending eight and a half to 10 hours per week on, It is a platform that can really cut through the noise, particularly when you find the right message for the right person, and they're doing that. So the lesson is there. Make sure we don't stay complacent and we're utilizing the power of data the same way. As we've spoken about, we've got this untapped database sitting on our doorstep in our loyalty card systems that most of us have, particularly if you're part of a banner group, you just need to start getting into it and allowing those systems to segment it the right way. And as we spoke about with Adam Posner in episode 33, there are some great systems to enable you to do just that. We also heard from Hyundai as well, and this was a really remarkable story of how they're utilizing real-time data. So this is where they're going to have, I guess, technology embedded into the cars to be able to deliver real-time insights to get, I guess, really quite intimate moments through predictive insights. So for example, they can know when your car breaks down and give you a call to see if things are okay and send the RACV over. Uh, They can also determine when your brake pads might be wearing down and they might proactively tell you to go and get them replaced. And it changes the whole fabric and knowledge of what these companies can do to help in the journey. As we'll talk about a little bit later on, so so many companies in this world focus just on getting you to buy stuff but not really helping you optimize it once you actually own it. And this is where data is making some really, really strong grounds in in many different industries. A couple of examples, and this came from the CIO of uh, Baker's Delight that I wanted to share with you. And there's a couple of videos that I'm going to direct you to in the show notes at robertstar.com forward slash episode 65. And um, the first one was Mountain Dew. So they were able to determine that one of their key customer groups were skaters. And they were able to understand the challenges of skaters and they spend half their time riding and half their time fixing their skateboards. So they thought, hey, we, we know that they love our product. How about we give them a tool to fix their skateboards? And they put it into the, into the bottle top and it was a remarkable product and it grew that segment and embedded, I guess, their dominance amongst skaters as the drink of choice. There was also a really fascinating one from Sri Lanka, uh, from all places, which um, was rife with dengue fever uh, not too long ago. And Morbina, which is their major newspaper, started to find that citronella would be a really good deterrent for mosquitoes. So they actually impregnated citronella into the newspaper to help fight dengue fever in Sri Lanka, which is quite remarkable. Have a look at the video um, in the show notes. So the lesson for pharmacy through this is 
that we need to listen to our conversations online and offline and through the data as to what are the greatest needs of our customers and our community. Mike DeGama gave us some great insights and some tools that we can utilize back in episode 52, which I'll put in the show notes. And we need to fuse them together with our product, pharmacy's product and service offering to create these experiences. For example, if you are in the CBD and you've got time poor customers, really marketing and zeroing in on your ability to provide SMS reminders, ERX Express ordering or MedAdvisor reordering to save time and creating a marketing campaign for your local area of how you can save them time and change their pharmacy experience would be remarkable for that group of customers. And because you've made such a tangible insight and a difference to their day in saving them time, they will love you for that as well. Learning number three is the customer journey is not a straight line. Episode 53 with Brian Walker was a key insight with this, and we need to map it and refine it through a single customer view. It was a great example from Taronga Zoo, uh, which was talking about how they're utilizing data and tools to map their customer's journey, both online and offline, to improve revisits, get people to sign up for memberships, for I guess uh, a longer period of time and isolating key customer groups around school-aged children, parents of school-aged children and how they can target them back as well. So the customer power is rising and increasing and that was the biggest analogy that Doc Searles from Harvard wanted to get across. He started his speech holding up a hammer which is really an extension of our ability as a human to be powerful and to do great things in this world. And the internet is one of those elements. We have to remember it is only 20 years old, yet it could be just as important as all of the elements around us, as in fire, water, earth, and so forth. And customers are now crossing so many channels that we, as businesses, we have to be congruent across both online and offline. And we need to watch our manners, as Doc pointed out. There's a really bad assumption that goes on, and we're guilty of this in pharmacy, having studied so many different pharmacy models, both in Australia and across the world, where a lot of us are getting into the wrong frame of mind of assuming that our customers are ready to buy whenever they're online. And in actual fact, as Doyle Bueller in episode 62 pointed out, only 3% are ready to buy at any given stage. So we need to be utilizing the time they spend with us online as to building a trusted relationship. And as we'll talk about in a few weeks time uh, with our Facebook expert, um, there is a huge trend of research online buy offline. And And it's really a case of making sure that we need to focus on how we educate our customers rather than trying to force them into buying. And it could be also a case of really helping to optimize and maximize what they own already, which really becomes part of that customer journey. It's interesting that Doc also pointed out that uh, I guess the internet has disrupted offline as well through loyalty cards. And there's a lot of misappropriation in utilizing that data. There was a big gaffe that came from Target not too long ago where that loyalty data was used for the wrong reasons and was able to target a 13-year-old for the fact that she may be pregnant. Now, the data didn't lie. She actually was pregnant. 
The problem was is that because she was under the age to receive her own loyalty, um, her own loyalty individual personalized letter that went to her mother and you can imagine the uh, family angst that went on as a result so it needs to be defined and utilized correctly and there's a lot of new tools that are now emerging as doc pointed out uh, where customers can request all the data that you keep about your patients and customers and so if it does get analyzed we need to ensure that it is helpful and in context as well because there is going to be a move where customers are going to be advertising to us as business owners and as pharmacies, telling us what they need rather than the other way around. Uh, so we really need, as pharmacists and as pharmacy owners, we need to map the primary healthcare journey and look to participate fully throughout the many phases. So not just at the point of purchase or supply, but what happens beforehand. We probably overshoot diabetes a lot on the show, but what happens before someone has diabetes? What other related services and products people may be looking at? And what happens afterwards? And that's probably where our, our clinical knowledge really steps in, in that we know that they need to have eye tests. We know that they may need uh, tear replacement eye drops. We know that they may have wound issues if they do happen to get cuts because their circulation is limited. We need to build these experiences across the pharmacy journey and also the primary healthcare journey where we can play a bigger role. So I'm going to get into the tools. I uh, love getting under the hood of some of these new technologies that emerged. And uh, the first one was about, obviously, we've already spoken about uh, bringing online, offline and back online again. There were some great companies Signal was one that I love talking to uh, because they've got an ability to enable your marketing materials through digital to be tracked offline and uh, utilizing um, iBeacons um, and other, other Wi-Fi enabled technology um, to be able to deliver that uh, analytic back to you as to determine whether you, if you sent it, if you sent a targeted message to a customer, whether they actually reacted to that and bought a product. And also utilizing location within the store as well. There were some great ones. There's going to be a great interview coming up in a few weeks with a company called Kepler Analytics. But I also had the pleasure of visiting a company called AeroHive, which we may hear from in uh, probably not too distant future um, through Chemist Pos, who are a uh, reseller for it as well. And uh, we've had uh, George on the show previously, and I'll be certainly asking them if they'd like to talk about that with you. But that is where, in a nutshell, if you're familiar with Google Analytics and how it can track I guess, visitor behavior when you visit a website, what pages you look at, what products you click on, how long you spend. And when you relate that back to the pharmacy, it's about understanding where a customer walks in the pharmacy, where they congregate, where they spend the most amount of time, what products even um, through RFID technology, uh, which is a radio frequency identification um, protocol, uh, what products they're picking up and having a look at as well. It is remarkable how we can develop this unified group view of customers to an infinite level of degree. 
We're even able to see that iBeacons can be deployed in pharmacies straight away through a product called Hello Local. And uh, also had the privilege of uh, having another chat to Stephen Borg, who you may remember from episode 58 from AOpen. And they were partnered up with Google for Work um, at um, Customer Tech X. And uh, it was great to, uh, to hear about the Google Chrome for Business platform. We often look at Google Chrome as an internet browser uh, that we utilize um, for ourselves personally, but also within our businesses. If you have Google Apps for Work, it's a great platform that you need to utilize, but how they've simplified the deployment and management of digital signage, uh, which is really to a point where you can literally plug and play. And the other Google product, which is really, really cool, and one that uh, I have no doubt we'll be looking at in the not too distant future, is called Google Geo, uh, which is where you can map a customer's physical journey. So for example, air travel, um, and where the airline can actually track where you are on the way to and from an airport. So if you're running late, uh, they may be able to organize how you might need to be rescheduled on the next flight, or perhaps organize a, a, um, a valet parking for you so that you can get to your flight on time. And also perhaps if you're on time, um, under, understanding that you might like a particular beverage, like a coffee that they might have ready waiting for you when you arrive at the lounge. It can get a little creepy as they found through the example they used through Air New Zealand. So they refine it um, and ultimately give the customer the control as to how they would like to design the experience. But it really is infinitely uh, scalable in what uh, functionality it can provide. And it's certainly the power behind from if you've ordered a pizza recently where you can track your delivery driver coming to you or if you've utilized Uber, you can see your driver coming to you. That's the technology that sits behind all of that. Very, very cool. The second one was virtual reality. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that as I do appreciate I'm doing pretty well to get over a half hour mark here uh, in, in a solo show. Um, but virtual reality was one that was really cool. And uh, we spoke about that a few weeks back when I was at Connect 15 um, about obviously how it's being utilized as a virtual pharmacy environment for Griffith University. Um, but also here, there was an example where it was utilized through body scanning that you can use virtual reality to actually watch yourself, try clothes on and walk around in them and see what you think before you want to buy a, uh, a, a piece of clothing. So that's remarkable in itself. Um, but one example I could think of there, which we spoke about um, with Morris Mizalowski in episode 50, which is where we're going to build virtual models of ourselves that can trial medicines before we actually have to ingest them ourselves and see what happens and what side effects we may experience so that we can make a choice of whether we want that medicine or a different one, which will be very cool. Not here yet, but uh, that's certainly where I can see that virtual uh, model of ourselves coming in. And lastly, just a little one for those of us who are already selling online um, and have mail order or phone order businesses, and we often need to find the right, uh, I guess, logistic service beyond Australia Post. Um, and actually, I know Kenmart are using their service. It's called Tomando, uh, and they broker a range of uh, courier companies from a single interface. So if you do need to send something to someone in a particular time frame, you might need tracking, a whole range of things, they can organize it all for you through a single platform. And that way you don't even need to set up an account with these courier companies. So I hope all of that, all of these key learnings 
and uh, tools are quite worthwhile for you. I'd love to know what you've taken away from this and uh, I guess where, where you see it being relevant to your business as well. So hope you enjoyed. Uh, we'll be back next week with, uh, with an interview that uh, I'll tell you about in a moment. And now for the transformation motivational quote of the week, which comes from David Kosh. Now I'm going to adapt this because he utilized it for fans and football, but I'm adapting this to customer experience, which is aim to be the highlight of your customer's week. Love that one. I think it's a fantastic thing. And if we approach our business in trying to be remarkable enough that it's put a smile on our customer's face, in the face of something that they potentially don't want to be in the pharmacy to experience, that would be nothing short of remarkable. Don't forget, we've got some big interviews coming up. Next week, we have the dynamic duo of Hua and Nam Pham from Z Software, and they're going to talk to you about the next generation of dispensary and point of sale systems and how they can create an integrated experience in your business and realize some fantastic productivity gains in your dispensing and point of sale process. I know you're going to love it. If you've taken away a gold nugget or two from this episode, leave a comment in the show notes. I read and respond to every single one of them. Have a great week, everyone, and I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye for now.